Well, good morning and welcome to our first service this morning. So glad you're here. Want to welcome those who are joining us online. And I couldn't help but smile uh, during the announcements today because I guess church is like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get each and every Sunday. So I looked over here to my right at the Blossers and I saw their, um, you know, I didn't know if it was uncle, son, it was in the lights. And so now I see that that's Dr. Friesland. And I can't even say his last name well because in college he was my residential, he was my RA. And I can't even believe he's a doctor today. God does miracles, wonderful things. The grace of God is just incredible just looking at him today doing that. Uh, I, I, your wife's not here so I can say this, but I knew him all throughout college as Boog. He was Booger. And we called him Boog. And so I don't think he likes that so much anymore. It's not as, oh, you are there. I didn't, I didn't see you there as well. I thought that was Blosser's... Uh, daughters. I'm just getting all sorts of trouble today. So Amy, Neil and Amy, it's so nice to have you here today. And you didn't hear what I just said there. So it's just good to have you here. Uh, Great to have you here as well this morning. And as I joke a little bit, our hearts are a little bit heavy today, even though it's not in our church, but in our community, uh, no doubt we kind of saw what happened on Friday. And certainly Rick as principal over at Nickerson. We're praying for you in the Nickerson and South Hutch community. Tragic loss Friday afternoon. And this young 13-year-old boy and um, so the Lomax and the Dennis family, I'm sure you've read in the papers. So our prayers are with them. If you're watching online, our prayers are with them. And um, so there's things that our hearts grieve about today too. And, um, uh, but today I'm also thankful for the, the song that we just sang, um, the goodness of God. And sometimes we have to claim that by faith. And sometimes we have to see that in faith, that God is good. We live in a broken world and there's pain and there's brokenness, but our God is good. And even in the darkness that we sing about, our God is a good God and he is faithful to us. And so we're here uh, each and every Sunday to worship that great and faithful God and to also seek his comfort. And uh, many, many years ago, I began a journey. Um, It actually happened, uh, Neil, after uh, college. I wasn't called into ministry. I sold insurance when I first got out. Actually, I was going to student teach. I did student teaching. I was going to teach school. And I found out that, you know, that wasn't what God had in mind for me. And so I went on and I was selling commercial insurance for about three years. And I loved one day a month. I loved the paycheck. But other than that, I really didn't like the other days. And But out of that kind of pain and uncomfortableness, God called me into full-time vocational ministry. And I say vocational because we're all called to be ministers. Every one of us is called to full-time ministry. You're a full-time minister. And if I looked at us as like an army, um, you guys are on the front lines in your business, in your schools, in your workplace. You are on the front lines of ministry where the work and the action is really taking place, where the battle is really taking place. And so I'm so grateful for the church and for what you do in the community and what you do in your workplace and school. We're all ministers. But I was called into full-time bo- uh, vocational ministry, and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a fun season, it was a, and it's been a fun season. I guess I'm still there. I'm still in vocational ministry. Um, but it was, it was a time where I remember why I got into it. As a young youth pastor, I got into it for the money. Um, that's the reason I did that. Now, if you're not laughing, you don't understand that's not the reason you get into ministry, especially if you're a youth pastor. That's not the reason you get into it. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. So we're going to have to wake you up here a little bit this morning. Um, I, I got into ministry because I wanted to make a difference. It, much like a school teacher gets into teaching they wanna, because they want to make a difference. You might have got into your profession because you wanted to make a difference. 
I wanted to make a difference. I, I wanted to help people find and follow Jesus. That was, that was what I wanted to do. And um, in my first uh, four or five years of ministry, I didn't even want to preach. I mean, I didn't feel called to preach. I just wanted to minister, and I was content and happy doing that. God called me into that later. In fact, I have great memories of the first five years as a sports pastor and youth pastor. Uh, I, I enjoyed those days, and I enjoyed just being able to help people. And I served on a large staff of about 12, and I was the young buck, the, the young guy, the, the wet what behind the ears kind of guy, but they all encouraged me and uh, they valued and told me I was a part of the team and whether, whether I was or wasn't, I mean, they, they made me feel like what I did mattered and what I did uh, was valuable. And then years went by and a few years went by and about 16, 17 years ago, I entered into uh, what Phil God called me to the preaching ministry and to preach. And not, not one's not better than the other, it's just God calls us to different things. And as he called me into that, um, it was exciting. Those are things that are exciting. But the, as I go on, if I'm honest with you today, um, there are times uh, that all of us are this way, but there are times where sometimes I wonder, am I making any difference? Am I, am I helping anyone? Uh, is, is, is what I do, does it matter? It, do I matter? And um, before you start feeling sorry for me or thinking this is a pity party and you need to come up and comfort your pastor afterwards, first of all, you should know this about me. Just kind of by nature, the way, the way God's wired me kind of naturally is the half full. Um, I tend to find the silver lining in things and optimistic. And so I'm not here in a depression here today and I'm not here seeking uh, counseling or your comfort or your uh, seeking for or fishing for a compliment today. I just... I just believe this about something that I know about each of you. Uh, whether I know you personally or not, no matter how well I know you or not, I believe I know this about you, that you too have your struggles with insecurities, with, with doubts, with wondering if, do you matter, if, if, if what you're doing, it matters. And, and it may even lead to sometimes of going, you know, does God see me? Does, does God see what I'm doing? Does it, does it matter to him? Do I matter to him? And you may say, how do you know that about me if you don't know me? I know that about you because you and me both are human. We're human beings. And in my worst moments, the enemy occupies some space up here in my mind. And, and we sang about, I, I love some of the things that uh, we sang about today, uh, you know, just the, in what was prayed about. Kelsey, I appreciate that, of just we're who, who we, God told us that we are. Who he says that we are is who we are. But sometimes we let the enemy occupy some space up here. Maybe it's not the enemy. Maybe it's just us and our mind occupy some space up in our mind. And we wonder, do I, do I matter? Have I helped anyone? Am I making any difference? Do I, do I matter? And some may be asking, do I matter to God? Uh, does God see what, 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 what's going on? Can I trust him? And if you've ever wondered these questions, am I helping anyone? Am I making any, any difference? Do I matter? This, today's message is a great message for you. The message that we're starting the intro to the series on Mark, uh, we're calling it Mark Matters. It's the, it's the gospel of Mark, um, and the reason we called it Mark Matters is I believe that Mark is the most overlooked uh, gospel writer, uh, the biographer of Jesus. I think of the four, he's the most overlooked, underappreciated. Um, in fact, we're going to see today, you know, there's some, he, you know, 
kind of tripped up a little bit, and so, um, which is going to be good news for us today that sometimes we trip up, but we don't have to leave us for us to stay there. And so, Mark is, uh, when you compare him to the others, which by the way, comparison's never a good game. Comparison gets us all sorts of trouble. Uh, When you compare yourself to others, one is you can leave yourself feeling you're better than other people, and you also can find yourself feeling you're worse than other people. Um, It's not that we should think um, less of ourselves or more of ourselves, it's just about thinking less of ourselves. And Mark is a guy that if you did compare him, you would see the other gospel writers, the the other three that wrote the biographies of Jesus. Um, You have Matthew and John who were part of the inner circle. They were part of the 12 disciples who walked and breathed and lived with Jesus for three years. They saw all of his miracles. They, 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 you know, they, they spent the night every night. They ate all their meals together. These, these two, Matthew and John, they were with them all the time. And, and John, of course, was John the Beloved, um, who not only wrote the Gospel of John, but 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and wrote the prophecy, the book of Revelation. And so very prominent role there. And then you have Luke, who was a doctor, and uh, also didn't, wasn't, wasn't just the, you know, give the biography of Jesus, but the biography of the early church in writing the book of Acts. And so very accomplished, very well connected and known. And then you have Mark kind of sandwiched in between here. And we don't know a lot about Mark. So before we even kind of dive into the gospel of Mark, today we're going to get to know Mark. And I think it's important that we get to know Mark and to know that Mark matters. And that's good news for us because it also is going to show us that we matter. Mark matters. We matter. And early on, um, you'll, you'll see that this minor biblical figure is rarely mentioned. He's rather obscure. He's relative, relatively unknown. And in his own gospel, the gospel of Mark, there's nothing that he says about himself. So we, don't, we can't get to know him through the gospel. So today, we're not going to dive into Mark quite yet. We're actually going to dive into uh, Mark the man, and the little bit that we can find about him through the scriptures, uh, we're going to uncover today. So first, what do we know about Mark? Uh, since nothing is revealed to him, we have to go first to the book of Acts, where Luke wrote about the early church and the biography of the early church. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 12, it, this is the first time we we're introduced to Mark. When this had dawned on him, this was talking about Peter. Peter had been in prison. He'd been in jail. Uh, When it dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John. Uh, I should back up a little bit even more. Peter had miraculously been released from prison. I mean, it was a miracle. You just jump up a few verses. You can read all about it later today. But Peter was miraculously delivered from jail. When When this had dawned on him and he came to his senses and realized it wasn't a dream, he went to the house of Mary the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. The very next verse talks about um, a servant, uh, or Peter knocked and, 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 and on the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhonda came to answer the door. So Peter's first thing he does is he's like, I'm going to Mary's house. I'm going to Mark's house, or John's house. So that can be a little bit confusing. Um, you probably have had some friends in your life given good biblical names, and I've known a few in my life that were named John Mark, and that was their middle name, John, and their middle name was Mark. Mark is not a middle name. It's not John Mark. It's not first name, middle name. It's just really two separate names. John was a very common uh, Hebrew name. 
you had, you know, John, the writer of the gospel. You had John the Baptist. There was other Johns. Uh, John was a very uh, common Hebrew name. Mark was a very common Roman name. And so to the Romans, he would have been Mark. To the Hebrews, he would have been John. And so John Mark is not a first middle. It's, 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 its identity is really first names. And then his mother, we see, is introduced to his mother, Mary. Now, you can sometimes learn about someone by who their parents are and maybe who their mother is or who their dad is. We're going to have some baby dedications at the end of both of our services today and, and uh, dedicating their children to the Lord. It's a wonderful thing that we, we get to do. But this mother, Mary, was not the mother of Jesus. It wasn't Mary Magdalene. It's a Mary that we really don't hear much uh, any, any other place else, or we have to guess if it's any place else. And Mary, we can kind of guess a few things about her. One is she was probably... Uh, wealthy. Um, she had a servant that answered her door. Uh, she had a house big enough to house a bunch of people for prayer. And so Peter kind of knew that's the house I need to go to. And so he shows up at, uh, at Mark's uh, mother's home. Uh, many scholars believe that this could be an indicator of Peter's close relationship with Mark, that that's the first place he went to. And also later, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5.13, um, that by all accounts, uh, she was in Babylon chosen together, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. This is Peter writing, and so he's looking to, the, Mark is very special to him. He's like a son to him. And many scholars believe that the gospel of Mark is really a firsthand account of Peter, a secondhand account by Mark, but it's really Peter's story told to Mark, and Mark is recorded the stories. If you're following along your notes today, I want to give you a, a few observations today. Some will read a little bit between the lines, but the first one is this. Uh, first impression from this uh, introduction to Mark that Mark matters is that prayer matters. Prayer matters. I mean, miraculously, Peter had been delivered, and he goes to Mary's home, and there's a bunch of people there, and they're just overjoyed because they've been praying that he would be released. And prayer always precedes the miracle. Prayer always precedes um, us being released. Pr prayer precedes, uh, it's what, how we receive Christ into our heart and life. We pray to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and come into our heart and life. Prayer precedes the power. Prayer precedes the miracle. And before Peter could ever show up at Mary and Mark's doorstep, they first, the church had gathered in prayer. Whether we pray in, uh, sometimes in our services or whether it's in life groups. I think our, every life group that meets, every Sunday school class that meets, there should always be prayer as a part of that. Uh, sometimes in our life group, we may get to talking and we may miss the study that we're studying. But one thing that we always do is we always pray for one another and we pray for our prayer requests before we leave. The second thing, and this is reading between the lines a bit, is we go or we send. We go or we sin. Where do you get that? Well, Mary, um, we're just reading between the lines that she was someone that probably had wealth, someone that was well-known in the community, someone, she had a servant, she had a big enough house, everyone gathered there for prayer. Peter knew that that was the place to go. And scholars, there's some scholars believe that Mary is probably one of those ladies that helped finance Peter's ministry. You know, in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, Luke writes to us that we're to go into all the world and share the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We can't all go to the ends of the earth. 
Not all of us are called to be missionaries and go to Africa or South America or Europe. We're not all called to go across seas, but we're all called to send. Every one of us are, are missionaries. Some are called to send and some are called to go. And in the case of Mark and Peter and, and Paul, they were called to go. But Mary, not because she was a woman, that had nothing to do with it, but just because she was called, she was called to be a sender. And a, there's probably a, a good indication that she was one that was one of those that helped finance Peter's ministry. So we are all called in the same way. That's why we as a church believe in missions. It's why last year you helped send $54,000 outside of our country to help other people find Jesus, to help, find, help to fund missionaries and hospitals in over 162 countries and world areas. It's also why uh, your generosity and many of you are paying $38 a month. You're investing $38 a month in helping release children from poverty in Jesus' name. It's because we can't all go, but we're all called to either be sent or to go. We're called to one or the other. And so those of us that God has called us to stay here, we're still called to be a part of the mission around the world. What else do we know about John Mark? Well, we know that he was a part of Paul and, Paul and Barnabas' journey. You see that in verse 25 of chapter 12. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem taking with them John, also called Mark. So this is the first time, in the, in really there's not many times where we're kind of introduced that Mark was a part of their, their journey. I think when you go to concerts and things, there, you know, there's usually a name given to the concert tour. And uh, missionary journeys or crusades that Billy Graham or others won, there's kind of names to the, the Los Angeles Crusades or whatever it is. And I think if you had to give a name to this, I thought of this. I'm, I mean, I don't have a lot of original ideas, but I would have called it the PB&J Tour. The peanut butter and jelly tour. Paul was the peanut butter. I think Barnabas was the bread. And I think there was that, you always, you know, peanut butter sandwich is not that good unless you have jelly. And Mark was along and he complimented them and he was the jelly. So the PB&J tour, they went out on one of the first missionary journeys. And so I want to give you another observation today is this, every effective, and I didn't know what to say here, pastor or ministry has supporters to help them. Every effective pastor or ministry has supporters to help them. It takes a community. It takes a, it takes a group effort. Uh, I didn't ask for Pastor Dustin to give me the perfect illustration example of this today, but you obviously notice he wasn't there. He was sick, and so he was gone. Yesterday he was in here working on behind the scenes on some things because he said everyone's dropping like flies. I mean, half the team I think that was up here today either had to rotate to different positions or had to step up, weren't on the rotation today, weren't planning to be a part because there were others that were sick, and so there's colds and flus and COVID and those things going around. And so anyway, um, I didn't ask for this example, but I was so thankful that, can you imagine church without our volunteers? Can you imagine our, our church without supporters? I think of the team God's blessed me with. I'm so thankful for the team that God's given me. Thankful for Pastor Dustin. I'm thankful for uh, Pastor Nate, who's leading the uh, Life Group Connections lunch today and helps our, lead our hospitality team and helps us make connections and connect with one another. I'm, I'm thankful for his wife, Christy, that is going to be bringing out these young children and babies. He's got a great children's ministry. I'm thankful for Pastor Brandon and Pastor 
um, Pastor Aaron that you saw up here today that, um, that they, they love on our kids so well. And I can't believe we're in here in February and they have the summer planned out for what we're going to be doing this summer. So I'm just not that far planned out ahead. We're good to get to next week in my case, but I'm thankful that they plan those things out. And not just them, I'm so thankful for a great team, Linda in the office, who's been here 25 years and knows all of you better than we know. We, we know you guys. I'm thankful for Randy, who just makes this place better, makes us better around here. I'm thankful for Kelsey, our, our preschool director out there, and I'm probably missing Dr. Glover and the counseling. That is not my skill set. God wires us in differently, but God has given us a great team. But we all know this. We would be nothing without the greatness of our volunteers. And, and this is what I will say. A church is only as strong as its volunteers. Now, I know some might say, you know, well, you got to have God. That's a given. You got to have Jesus. That's a given. The Holy Spirit, that's a given. You don't, it's just a country club or some other organization without God, without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit. But Christ is the head and the body of Christ is you. And the church is, any church is only as strong as its volunteers. Imagine today coming to church and there is no one to greet you, no hospitality team. No one here is host in the service. No one to, to uh, uh, give you coffee this morning or to make the coffee this morning. No children's uh, volunteers. No teachers out there. Imagine, uh, you know, if everyone got sick, thankfully we have enough uh, team members and volunteers that we were able to step up and be okay anyway. But imagine if they all were sick today. Imagine if there was no one uh, to run the sound or the tech or the lighting or no one to run the online tech and, and sound. Imagine if we didn't have that. So often on Sundays, uh, this has happened a few times, I'm, I'm, you know, I probably should not get too far away from my notes. It gets me in trouble. But so often people come up and say, or one of my team members will say, hey, turn yourself off because we didn't get up to you or someone wasn't there to turn me off. And I'm having a personal conversation with someone after the service and online's getting to hear all of it. <laughs> and some of the things that I say is embarrassing. It's not all good. You would think everything's good and things and things. It's not all, you know, it's not this bad. It's just some things I say are embarrassing. Imagine if we didn't have D group leaders, if we didn't have even, even like Friday. I'm so thankful for the ladies that came in and, and did such a great job with our funeral dinner. Imagine if we didn't have volunteers. A church is only as strong as its volunteers. It's one of the reasons that um, we're having growth track here in a few weeks on February 20th. Um, one, it's a good place to just discover the faith and to engage in your faith. But one of the, the three weeks, there'll also be an opportunity to discover your spiritual gifts which if you're a believer in Christ, you have a spiritual gift or gifts. And you'll get an opportunity to discover those gifts. And we're only as strong as our volunteers. Mark was a great helper. He was a great volunteer. And so we're going to learn something else about Mark. And I'm going to share it first. I didn't know whether to say helpers or volunteers, but helpers in the case of Mark or volunteers sometimes get discouraged, distracted, and desert the, desert the mission. It just happens. It's human nature. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we even kind of get so discouraged and distracted we desert the mission. It happened to Mark, so it can happen to us, and I think we need to be aware of it. In Acts chapter 13, verse 13, from Paphos, Paul, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia where John left them to return to Jerusalem. It's just kind of an obscure verse that you don't think much about. 
And if there was not any context later, we would just read this verse and feel like nothing was said of importance here. But Mark left Paul and Barnabas, Paul and his companions. And at first glance, we think, well, that's not that big a deal. And sometimes at first glance, volunteers can think, ah, what I do doesn't really matter. It's really not that big a deal. Let me tell you, it's a big deal. Uh, Pastor Dustin was in here yesterday trying to scramble and get other people to, to step up because people got sick at the last moment. Happens to Pastor Christie every single week. There's just people that get sick. It happens. And so she's having to, you know, fill in holes from someone and trade assignments because we have to have volunteers. It, it does matter. And it may seem like in this case that it's not that big a deal, but it must have been a big deal because it led to the first church split or at least the first church leadership split. In the next, in uh, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 36, it tells us what happened. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and, and visit the believers in the towns where we've preached the word of the Lord, and let's see how they're doing. Let's do a checkup. Let's see how the church that we got started. Let's see how they're doing. Let's go back. Barnabas wanted to take John, wanted to take Mark, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted him in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. And here's the deal. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. The early church, sometimes comforting to know that they didn't have their act all together. It's comforting to know sometimes that they sometimes split. Now, God went on and the church blessed them, and God still used them to go out and and use those uh, different ministries to bless others. We're going to see that come back a little bit later. But it was so upsetting to Paul that he got in a bitter argument. I didn't have this in my thoughts, but I look at you, Neil. I don't know if you were on the hall that day that my roommate, David, and I, we got in the worst argument in our three years of roommates so much so that we start, I started slamming the door and it was this metal door and I was being all sorts of mature and maturity was just oozing out of me. And I started slamming the door and he was just laughing. I'm not even tell you what it was about because it's embarrassing to tell you what I was arguing about, but he saw the humor in it because he was like, you're being an idiot. So he went over and he'd slam the door and I was making mess. I went over, I opened the door, I slammed the door again and he laughed even harder and he went over that door and he slammed again. The more he laughed, the, 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 the matter I got. And I knew the more he emphasized that, I knew you, you'd say, what an idiot if I told you what happened in that story. We kind of split ways that day. Now we continued to room and we were, we're friends to this day. But this was such a sharp disagreement that they split and went the other direction. If you think, if you're one of those ones, maybe you're watching online and you think the church is boring, you just haven't been around the church. Or you haven't watched the movie, The Apostle with Robert Duvall. I mean, go watch that one today. I mean, my, that's, that's, but no, that happens in real life too. Back in the day, I grew up as a pastor's kid and my dad was pastoring in Greeley, Colorado. They just built a family life center like our Lewis Family Life Center. And uh, they, there was this fun thing they did back in the day when my dad was pastor. It was a kind of a pastor appreciation Sunday. They had it every two years. It's when they came in and they voted on the pastor, whether he got to stay or whether he had to leave. 
It was just a glorious day for the pastor and his family, and we always looked so forward to it. It was just exciting. Uh, we, we looked for it with anticipation. Uh, my mom and dad had a rule in their household that they didn't talk about the, the struggles or the bad things in the church. And so, you know, I just thought everything was good growing up. I found this out later. But on that Sunday night, we had Sunday night church back then. On that Sunday night, my dad got a standing ovation. I thought he was the hero of that church and of that community. What I did not know was that morning, my dad was two votes. He had 26 no votes. He was two votes from being voted and us looking for another place to go be pastor or church somewhere else. But those folks didn't come that night and his supporters were there and they stood their feet and their clap. I'm on the front row and I think, man, people love my dad. And the people in that, they did love my dad there. But there were some people who didn't love him so much. The church is, it can be an exciting place. I was talking to my dad, he's 81 now, and I was talking to him about this experience this week because Usually he watched my message and usually he said, man, you did a great job, but you didn't quite get that story right. And usually when it's one of his stories, I don't quite get it right. And I wanted to get this one right. I said, tell me, I remember later on those two names, Leon and Jerry, and I won't share last names because the world is small. Both these guys have gone on to heaven. And I said, I kind of remember a little bit. I said, tell me about uh, today. Tell me about Leon. And uh, he said, well, when I went back for the 90th anniversary of that church years later. I was pastor in San Diego and I got invited back to speak at the 90th anniversary. He said, Leon came up to me and he said, I'm sorry we were wrong. That's what happened with Paul and Mark. That God, God wasn't done with either one of them. Um, I asked my dad, I said, what was going on there? He goes, Leon was a good man. He just got a little distracted. He was a good man. He just got a, a little distracted. Good people can get distracted. We're human. We can get distracted. Scripture doesn't tell us why Mark left, but I don't think it's because he was in sin or deep in sin. I think he was just a man or a young man that got a little distracted. And so he got off journey and he went a different direction. But Paul, letters, Paul later said of Mark in his letter to a young Timothy, get Mark because he's helpful to me. In fact, 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11, Paul is talking about other people that had deserted him and, and, and just were distracted and left him hanging high and dry in his ministry. So it's, it's not just going to happen once in ministry and in life. It's going to happen multiple times. People get distracted. They may desert you. But do your best, he says, to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. And has gone to Thessalon, I can't even say it today. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful for me in my ministry. Isn't that a good picture of what the church should be? That sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we're odd. Sometimes there's even a, a split. But if we will keep on following Jesus... I believe God has things and greater things he wants to do. There'll always be distractors and deserters of the mission. But let me give you a couple more observations for your notes this morning. I'm just going to call it like balls and strikes the way I see them. One, don't let a distraction permanently derail you. Don't let others' distractions, don't let others derail you. Don't let their disappoint, don't let your disappointments in other people, don't let that derail you. And also, don't let your own distractions derail you. 
don't, don't get down on yourself and disappointed because we're all human and every single one of us has gotten derailed at times. Every one, single one of us has gotten off track at times because we're human beings. But I also would say this, don't permanently write off people who have let you down or might miss out on some much, because you might miss out on some much needed help. Paul was like, hey, at the end of his ministry, is like, make sure Mark, yeah, the, the one that let you down, the one that got distracted and left you hanging high and dry, bring, bring him along. Yeah, Mark, bring Mark, John Mark. That's the one I'm talking about because he is helpful to me. Mark was a help to Paul in his ministry, so much so that Paul would later call him out. And it reminds me of something that is, was said to my wife early on in her teaching career when she had a, a teacher or mentor say to her, you know what, give everybody a fresh start every day because God gives you a fresh start every day. And how much better we'd be if we would give everyone a fresh start because God gives us a fresh start. Well, I want to wrap this up because we got some baby dedications here. But Mark went on to write what is to believe the first of the four Gospels. In fact, the other Gospel writers may have kind of taken some things from him to help them write theirs. Mark went on to be the first to establish the church in Africa. Mark may have only played a minor role in Scripture because he's not talked about beyond what I really have showed you today but he played a major role in spreading the gospel. And you may be here this morning or watching online, you may feel like your role in the kingdom of God is a small role and it's insignificant and it doesn't matter, but it does. It does matter. It matters like a domino. There's a domino effect out there that your domino, when it falls over onto someone else and another domino, you don't know where those dominoes, I don't know if you ever YouTubed, you know, those dominoes that, you know, they set up hours and days, they get those things set up. We wouldn't have time to watch it here this morning, but one domino is, is plowed over and the rest of them, it just creates this chain reaction. Each of us are dominoes. We're, we're dominoes in this life. And just because you may think you're a small domino doesn't mean you don't play a major role in spreading the gospel of God and the gospel of Christ. Let me share with you this morning uh, an example of that in closing. This is one domino. It represents the first domino of the story that I'm going to share with you today. I'm not ready for that yet. In 1854, a 17-year-old boy was working in a shoe shop in Detroit. And this 17-year-old boy, like many kids in the 19th century, they had to go to church. They were forced by their moms and dads to go to the church. He didn't really want to go to church. He really wasn't into God. He wasn't into Jesus. But he had this Sunday school teacher who felt a burden for this young man and went and visited him when he was working in the shoe shop. And in that time, they went downstairs on his lunch break and he led this young boy to Jesus as a 17-year-old young man. That 17-year-old man, uh, some of you may know today, although it's been a couple centuries since, as D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody, the famed evangelist, of the, not one of the famed evangelists of the 19th century, who preached and shared the gospel with over 100 million people in a day before they had Facebook and social media and Instagram, in a day before they had television, he had a wide impact. And that Sunday school teacher's name, that domino is probably a name you've never heard of before. And you may never remember again, Edward Kimball. 
Edward Kimball was the domino that led D.L. Moody to Jesus Christ. The second domino Moody influenced was F.B. Meyer, someone else you may not have heard of. He was a London pastor who actually didn't focus much on Jesus, really not at all. He was very educated, intellectual. He was a doctor. Um, he, was, he was influenced. Well, I'm getting a little bit of, am I getting a little bit ahead here? Yeah, I might be getting a little, no, I'm not getting ahead. We're good. We're good. Hey, we're all good, everybody. Online, we're good. Um, he was actually a little bit ashamed of Jesus, but one of uh, the people in his church really wanted to hear him speak, and so reluctantly, he asked Moody to come speak. And many came to Jesus through Moody's ministry, and one of those that came to Jesus and really surrendered his life to Christ was F.B. Meyer. And from that time on, F.B. Meyer's pastoral ministry went to talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everything was Jesus. And more dominoes began to fall. Meyer really got saved. Meyer went on to influence J. Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman went on to influence Billy Sunday. Names you may not have heard of. Billy Sunday influenced Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham was the domino that you may recognize the next domino. You might have heard of this young preacher that, you know, preached to a few people throughout his lifetime, Billy Graham. Mordecai Ham was the one that preached. It was the evangelist that Billy Graham came forward and found his life. But there's more to the story. When we share Christ, we have no idea the domino effect that we're going to have. Only God's going to determine that when we see him one day. But when Billy Graham did come to Christ through that preaching of Mordecai Ham, it was during a tent meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina. Billy Graham was only 16 years old. He and a friend had heard about, you know, this, this evangelist and thought, man, what a show this must be. So they decided, let's go, let's go watch the wacko. Let's go see this guy. And they walked into that tent meeting that night, and all the seats were full. There was no place to sit. And they started to walk out and leave. And an unnamed, like we have the unknown soldier, an unnamed man that we don't know until we get to heaven, said, hey, boys, just a minute. Don't leave. I can find a place for you. And he went down, found a place where there were seats for two, ushered Billy Graham and his friend into that service. They heard that message that night. Billy Graham gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ, and we know the dominoes that fell from there. But that domino doesn't happen without the faithfulness of an unknown usher, of a, of a pastor that we probably would have never heard of without this. And it reminds me, friends, that God can't do something great through us and through you, as my pastor friend Ray Johnson says, until he's done something great in you. And you never know what Jesus Christ is going to do in your heart and your life. And you may not know until you get to heaven the impact of your domino, but our call is simply to be faithful, to be faithful to what he calls us to, to, to give people the opportunity and, and to realize that this gospel of Mark, this unknown, really, guy in the Bible that we have little to know about. He started a domino effect. He was one of the four gospel writers. And today, we are here because of the gospels of Christ. And the dominoes keep going on. Today, this morning, I'm going to invite uh, some of our families to come up this morning. We have two uh, Two families, baby dedications, the first service, and we have four in the second service today. But this is part of the domino. 
These are part of the dominoes. We as a church believe that every life matters, that God wants to use every life for his glory, and we never know where those dominoes are going to fall or how they're going to land. We don't know what these young children, what they're going to become and whose lives they're going to touch. And it starts with the parents. And today as our, as our families come forward this morning, and I might back this up just a little bit for us as they make their way. I was thinking of, of maybe one of the first dedications that's really public in Scripture was Hannah. Hannah was a, a young mother that couldn't have children. She desperately wanted to have little ones, wanted to have little babies. Couldn't have them, couldn't have them, wasn't able to have them. And finally, God granted her her prayer and her wish, and she had a son named Samuel. Go ahead and come on up. Hannah had Samuel. Hannah was so thankful to God for the blessing of this little life that he said, she said, my first child I'm going to dedicate and give to the Lord and to the Lord's service. And when, she was a, when he was a year old and weaned, he went into the service of the Lord, into the temple, and served the priest. And we're not going to ask you to give your children to the church to serve the pastors and to live here for the rest of their lives. But this is a dedication. Go ahead. You guys can just come here a little closer. Uh, this is a dedication today of your children that this is your desire that they're going to grow up to know Jesus. And we have one, you know, just different families, how God uses and blesses. But we have one, uh, we have a foster uh, children up here this morning. And we were asked, can, can, I'm not going to have these little ones forever, but I want to, can we dedicate to them to the Lord? Absolutely. Because we want, we never know how God's going to use these young lives and use this season and time, but we want to dedicate these children to the Lord this morning. And so with that being said, the dedication of these children and these babies is really more about you than it is about them. Just like Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord, you're choosing today saying, I want to dedicate our children to the Lord so that they may know Jesus and live for him. And you desire to, if you, de you desire to raise them in the Christian faith, that they might early come to know Jesus and walk with him. If you have that as your desire, would you please say, we do. And then there's a responsibility on our part that we as a church, the volunteers, we're only as good as our volunteers. And some, some of you are D group leaders and children's workers, and you make an impact on these little ones' lives. And we're here to partner with one another. But if it is your desire to encourage these parents and to come behind them and support them and uh, be an influence for Christ upon their children's lives as they grow up and encourage these parents, if that's your desire today, would the church say, we do? And I believe you because we have a great church that loves our kids. Now, Pastor Chrissy's going to help me and, and Heather to help me get things straight because we had a lot of these today. And so um, we're going to go first with uh, Daniel Allen. And that is also Don Justice's little guy. This is one of our foster. Hey, Daniel, can I hold you? Hi. Hi. Not really. Not really like that. Okay. We'll make it fast, okay? Heavenly Father, we'll stay close to... Oh. Why don't you take them? That just happens. I have that effect on people. Let's, let's pray for Daniel Allen. Heavenly Father, I'll get out of your eyesight. Heavenly Father, thank you for Daniel. Uh, thank you for Daniel Allen. 
Lord, you know the plans you have for him, plans to prosper him and not to harm him, plans to give him a future and a hope. And Lord, today, uh, thank you for Dawn. I thank you, Lord. She's raised beautiful children of her own, and now she seeks, Lord, to give a home to those that don't have a home until they find that permanent home. So Lord, I pray that you would use this season and this time to bless these little ones and bless Daniel Allen, that he may know you and follow you all the days of his life. In Jesus' name, amen. I think, Heather, you have a rose form and you have a first Bible. You want to help me hold that? That'd be great. And a rose, that's for you, Dawn. Lord, thank you. Okay, who are we doing Annalyn. next? Annalyn? Yeah, thank okay. you. Okay. Right here. Okay. Annalyn, Joan. Annalyn, Joan. Can I just put my hand on your head? Or just like above you like that? Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you for Anna and Joan. Uh, Lord, how scary this must be uh, for them. Uh, but Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would use this young lady, that you'd use Anna and Joan in a mighty way to be a, a, a mighty princess of God. Then I'm also a mighty warrior of God, that she'll uh, know you and come to know you early. I thank you, Lord, for the influence that Don and her family is able to have on these beautiful little children. And I pray that you would use this season and this time and this influence to help them to see the love of Jesus and the love of Christ, that they might come to know that you have a great plan for their lives, that you want to adopt them most of all into your family, into the family of God, that they might live for you for not only this life, but the life to come in Jesus' name. Amen. This is for Anna. All right. Got to make sure I get the... Okay, that's pretty easy. <laughs> Logan. So this is Logan. Uh, parents are Scott and Kelsey. And uh, how old are we? 18 months. 18 months. Join in big sister. And we're so excited. We're going to try it again. I'm, I'm 0 for 2, but we're going to give it a shot. So let me see if I can get Logan. Logan, can I hold you, buddy? Hi, Logan. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for Logan. And uh, we just ask, Father, you use this young man, that you would help his parents, Lord, to help him to know Jesus from the early days, help him to know the scriptures, help him to find his feet in the church, in the sanctuary, in the family of believers and of God. And I just pray you bless this wonderful family. Thank you for these parents that... Um, want to and desire, Lord, to lead him to you. So we pray your blessing on him in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, look at those blue eyes. You probably, I don't know if you can see those blue eyes from here. All these three are so beautiful. Can I 